everybody. It's time for episode 7 of uh, of Near Perfect Pitch. It's a belter today, actually. Very happy with uh, what I uh, last minute scuttled around the old basement and uh, picked out some good tunes for you. Um, there's um, there's a, a bunch of new stuff that I'm going to be playing this week, including um, some uh, some Cooler Shaker, uh, something off the new Travis, brand new stuff from uh, The Strokes. Um, there's going to be uh, a whole load of uh, retro early 90s stuff, which I'm very happy with, uh, some football-related uh, bants. There's the usual uh, Tinter Web Time feature. There is our uh, Get in the Sea feature. There is also uh, a brilliant uh, bit of chit-chat, and, and rather I should qualify that by saying, uh, not really on my part, by any stretch of the imagination, was lucky enough to, uh, to catch uh, Roland McGinty uh, from the Wooden Tops. Uh, and had a lengthy chat with him earlier this week about uh, recent goings-on and uh, uh, his recent trip to uh, Ibiza, etc., etc. So lots of good stuff coming up, and this week I'm going to kick things off with uh, some Talk Talk. Yeah. 
Uh, uh, finest, that's South, uh, and that is from uh, an LP released in uh, 2003 called uh, With the Tides, and that's a single uh, off the LP. Uh, they started their career actually on Mowax Records, which um, was an odd fit, to be honest. Uh, I quite liked it because uh, the packaging was wonderful on all their early releases, especially on some limited edition 10 singles that they, that they threw out. Um, anyway, that is South, and... Uh, yeah, I hope to have the show for a long, long time, and uh, if that is indeed the case, I'll be playing an awful lot of, of South. Uh, and we kick things off uh, with uh, Mark Hollis and the lads uh, from from um, the third LP, The Colour of Spring, Give It Up, and that's on EMI Records. And I'm just trying to remember when that came out. I think that's 86. 1986. Uh, if you like me, you like Wire. I'm not talking about the stuff that you use for DIY and you know, and doing the electrics at home. Uh, there's a new Wire LP, uh, and uh, I forgot to mention that at the beginning of the programme, that is going to be featured uh, coming up in, in, in the show, as well as uh, the new uh, It's Inevitable. There's, there's always uh, an official England uh, single release every time England make it by hook or by crook to any given tournament. 
and uh, this year is no exception, uh, except um, we're going to be hearing something from uh, the Four Lions, which is uh, Sean Ryder, Happy Mondays, uh, uh, Andy Weatherall, DJ Extraordinaire, uh, and uh, Kermit uh, from Black Grape, and I'm missing something. I'll rack my brains, um, and, I'll, and I'll have that uh, information in full uh, next time I uh, regurgitate something over the over the airwaves in the next little while. Uh, what we're going to hear next is uh, some Darling Buds. We're going to hear a hat-trick. It's going to be a quick-fire hat-trick. We're going to hear some Beloved, uh, and then we are going to go and hear some... Um, what is it there? Oh, the Dubs. Dubs. Sorry, not the Dubs. Just Dubs. Plain old Dubs. Uh, I'm still here. I'm still here. Uh, and uh, you can expect to hear also uh, a nice little remix of uh, Bow Wow Wow's I Want Candy, which is coming up very soon as well.
Hop, Bananas, that, and that's Dubs. And that's uh, the Cedar Room, which they did release uh, on a limited 10-inch before they actually signed their deal uh, with Heavenly. And that uh, is off the LP, their WLP, called Lost Souls on the aforementioned Heavenly from 1999. Uh, and uh, prior to that, as a part of the hat trick, we heard... Um, the Beloved, that's what we heard. I'm just trying to get my uh, my songs in order here from 1990. From Happiness, and that's Hello. Lots of pop culture references in there in terms of uh, A, B and C list, even D list celebrities in that list. And that's for Todd, my mate in Colorado. Hope you're doing well, mate. Uh, and before that, we heard uh, Shame On You by The Darling Buds from 1988. Uh, from their Pop Said record. I did promise that I'd be playing some uh, Bow Wow Wow uh, after the hat trick, which is now complete, uh, and I will do that. It's a special remix, which was uh, a 12-inch only from 1982. Uh, and that name that deceived me uh, before with regards to the um, the New England record, um, it's actually um, Goldie that I omitted. So it's, it's, it's Paul Oakenfold, Kermit uh, from Black Grape, Goldie, and of course Sean Ryder uh, from Monday's Black Grape, and just Sean Ryder. So uh, we're going to hear some Bow Wow Wow. Uh, I've got a real, real cracker here for our uh, Get in the Sea entry this week. I'm sure uh, you, you, you've seen it now. I, I, I caught it last night uh, on, on, on my Twitter feed, and I just couldn't believe what I was reading. I'll share that with you uh, uh, in a little while. Uh, and we're going to hear some Bow Wow Wow, as I mentioned. And after, after that, we're going to hear some AC acoustics. So uh, a couple of songs in a row right now.
Acoustics from 1997 on Elemental Records. That's a single from the album Victory Parts, uh, and that's called Stunt Girl. And before that, uh, we did hear that Bow Wow Wow remix, bit of a departure from the original version. And um, it's time. It's always nearly time for a fall song. Uh, so it's our uh, obligatory fall track. This uh, this particular week, we are going to be listening to a, uh, a tune by a said band, from an LP on Matador Records, uh, Middle Class Revolt, a.k.a. The Vaporization of Reality. Uh, and that's from 94. We're going to hear a single and the third track, Behind the Counter.
brand new stuff that from uh, from the Strokes, and that's from their uh, EP. And I can't remember the name of the flipping thing. Hang on a minute. What's it called? It's called. Hang on. Oh, future, present, past. That's what it's called. And that's a. Uh, uh, I think that's track number two, and that's called Drag Queen. I always find with uh, with uh, the Strokes that you've got to give them a couple of listens, and um, the same has been the case with this particular repeat. But it's the third time I listened to that song, and it's it's grown on me uh, progressively uh, during the course of the day. Because I only snagged it this morning, and before that we heard, uh, of course, uh, our obligatory fall track behind the counter, uh, and that uh, that's a good one, a more a more poppy number. Uh, but um, as I said before. They're, they're the marmite of music are the fall you either love them or you hate them and it's my it's my grand ideal to force feed you marmite if you don't like them and if you do just revel in it and gorge yourself on it coming up next are some rialto um they sort of made a buzz for about a whole six months uh, and then disappeared really uh, they're on china records through warner brothers uh, and they did do quite a lot to to promote the lp uh, didn't do as well as I'm sure everyone concerned uh, hoped for, but did uh, I, I quite uh, enjoyed the, the album from 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 beginning to end actually, and it's it's worth a revisit. And I did actually revisit it in its entirety earlier this week myself, and I was pleasantly surprised. It, it does it does tend to hold up. At eight o'clock we said goodbye. That's when I left her house for mine She said that she'd be staying in Well, she had to be At work by nine So I get home and have a bath An hour or two pass Drifting in front of my TV When the film comes on That she wants to see It's Monday morning, 5.19 And I'm still wondering where Cause every time I try to call I just get her machine And now it's almost 6am And I don't want to try again Cause if she's still not back Then this must be the end At first I guess she's gone Herself a pack of cigarettes A pint of milk for the cat But it's midnight now And she's still not back It's Monday morning, 5.19 And I'm still one 
That's a fantastic cover version of Nirvana's uh, Lounge Act. That's Pete McLeod. I wanted to attune you to uh, some of the Balearic beats uh, that uh, are, uh, are my, the interview, forthcoming with Rolo McGinty, uh, Wooden Tops. Um, Rolo is uh, in, in love with it, and uh, he's been, he's been uh, releasing records since, since I can remember, uh, in, in, since the mid-'80s, and I've been following his career. And um, I just wanted to chuck that in there because there's a semblance of a, of a link between that particular song uh, and uh, a lot of the content that Rollo's going to be talking about in the interview that's going to be forthcoming at the end of the programme. And uh, as a reminder, again, uh, we heard Rialto before that. That's Friday morning, 5.19. That's the lead track off, off the record. And uh, that's also a single. And as a reminder, once more, that's a self-titled debut, in case you're looking for it. And that's, uh, that's on Warner. That's on Warner Brothers. Um, we're going to go to West Yorkshire. We're going to go to uh, visit with the McNamara Brothers and, and the rest of Embrace. Uh, and we're going to hear something off their debut long player on, on Hut Records called The Goodwill Out that was released in, uh, in 98. And this is All You Good Good People.
Wow, that is immensely annoying, isn't it? But it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a salient reminder of what we all had to uh, deal with not so long ago. It doesn't seem like all those uh, many years ago that I was sitting there on my, on my compact computer with my CompuServe email address having to contend with that noise every five minutes. A lot of you, I hope, uh, are, are young enough not to have to have uh, remembered and gone through those terrible times when we had to knit our own yoghurt and uh, fend for ourselves. That was Embrace that we just heard on Hut Records and uh, all you good, good people. Uh, they are no more, bless them. But they did have an output of, I think in total, six records, uh, six LPs all together. Uh, it's time for uh, Tinterweb time, which of course, that racket that we just heard a few seconds ago alludes to. Uh, and uh, essentially, Tinterweb time is is just uh, the fruits of my frittering my life away online, looking for records and, and music-related stuff and football-related stuff. That's how shallow I am. Shallow as a puddle. doesn't take much to get me uh, interested, as long as there's a music and football angle. Now, this is a, it's a very, very old site, uh, and uh, it's it's obvious aesthetically that it's an old site it's not very complex i find it quite funny at the bottom of, of the particular site it, it actually goes to the extreme lengths to tell you uh, as per wikipedia what 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 a record actually is there's a gramophone record in brackets also phonograph record or simply record is an analog sound recording medium consisting of a flat disc with an inscribed modulated spiral groove. Gramophone records were the primary technology used for personal music reproduction for most of the 20th century. They replaced the phonograph cylinder in the 1900s, and although they were sub uh, sorry, and although they were supplanted in popularity in the late 1980s by digital media, they continue to be manufactured and sold as of 2006. So, if you're indeed an alien who has just landed on our on our fair planet, that's that's a a, a nice pricey of what, what records actually are but back to the actual site itself it's just a nice little uh, generator it's a final record generator uh, and it just allows you to make your own uh, single your own 45 so you can you can change the track name you can change the band name the credits the colors uh, they even uh, take care of all the CMYK codes if you have specific colors in mind and I've mucked around on it uh, a little bit and uh, made my own personalized records it's, it's a lot of fun actually and um, I'm uh, I'm tinkering on it now as 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 I speak to you, uh, and the website for that I'll, I'll of course put it in in the podcast notes. But it's uh, it's says as in I said s a y s hyphen i t dot com slash record slash forty five dot php. An easy to remember little URL there for you. Uh, we can hear some Billy Bragg coming up uh, in the in the next uh, in the next uh, few seconds, and I just wanted to remind you of what is forthcoming in the program in case yeah, you're losing you're losing interest, which would be a travesty, but but it does does happen. Um, I'm looking forward to sharing the new wire or some new wire material with you. Um, I'm hoping that there's time to squeak in uh, Cooler Shaker and Travis some new tracks from them, in as much as there's some new Lady Hawk as well. I will be playing some closed lobsters. I will be playing um, some new football material, uh, and uh, I'll also be hoping to get to uh, some altered images as well. I always have stuff in reserve just in case, you know.
may have been Camelot for Jack and Jacqueline. But on the Che Guevara Highway, filling up with gasoline. Fidel Castro's brother spies a rich lady who's crying over the luxury's disappointment. So he walks over and he's trying to sympathize with her. But he thinks that he should warn her that the third world is just around the corner. Soviet Union, a scientist is blinded by the resumption of nuclear testing and he is reminded that Dr. Robert Oppenheimer's optimism fell at the first hurdle. Someone stacking chairs and mopping up spilled beer And someone asking questions And basking in the light Of the 15 fame-filled minutes of the fanzine writer Mixing pop and politics He asks me what the use is I offer him embarrassment for my usual excuses While looking down the corridor Out to where the van is waiting I'm looking for the right leap forward Jumping sales are organised and pamphlets There's still parties to be hosted You can be active with the activists Or sleeping with the sleepers While you're waiting for the great leap forwards Oh, one leap forwards, two leaps back Will politics get me the sack? Waiting for the great And cut out the middle man Right
That's Mona, and they're about as English as Donald Trump, but I wanted to play it anyway. And that's from Zion Noise, uh, a sub-label of Island Records from 2010. And that's uh, Listen to Your Love. Um, what else we've got in store for you as I sort of cross-reference things here and try and get my uh, my, my act together, as it were. Um, yeah, we're going to hear some farm coming up, um, and we're going to hear, we are going to hear some Travis. I've managed to sort of juxtapose and re-juxtapose some of the, the stuff I wanted to play. Um, I want to remind you, though, um, we've got through about an hour and ten minutes or so uh, of, of, of this particular podcast, number seven in, in an ongoing series of Near Perfect Pitch. Um, I wanted to let you know and remind you that you can get in touch. Um, you can email me at nearperfectpitch at uh, gmail.com. We are at Near Perf Pitch on Instagram. We are Near Perfect Pitch. Know what we're talking about? Near Perfect Pitch on Instagram. Near Perf Pitch on Twitter, and Near Perfect Pitch is the Facebook page. So, a myriad of ways to to stay in touch, get in touch. If you want to listen to something in particular, want to request something in particular, want me to try and rope someone into talking to me for an interview all that kind of stuff, please do let me know because it's important. It's not all about me. Yeah, yeah.
That's the Boyce and Hart penned uh, Stepping Stone, which originally uh, appeared as a monkey's B-side, the B-side of I'm a Believer. I'm not your Stepping Stone, and that's The Farm from 1990, giving it all that. Love that, and there are several, several versions of that. Uh, and remember remember getting up to no good at the Hacienda and, and other places, dancing to said track. I am dating myself considerably, aren't I? Um, I'm excited about this next one. I really, really genuinely am. Wire, a new record, Colin Newman and Company. Uh, the new record's called Nocturnal Koreans. I suppose they must be. We're all nocturnal away. Uh, well, we can be, can't we? Uh, anyway, Nocturnal Koreans, this is the, this is the title track. Uh, and the record is, uh, I think it's only an eight track, I seem to remember. But everyone is a gem.
the sea lapping at your feet? I think it is. It's time for GITS. The acronym. Get in the sea. It's the the weekly delve into 
Darwin's wet dream, essentially. Just rank stupidity. And uh, this one I stumbled upon yesterday, and it's now got rather large and is just about everywhere. Um, let's get rid of that annoying sea, shall we? Hang on a minute. Yeah, get rid of that. All right, here's the headline. I breastfeed my boyfriend. A mother of 36 uses pumps and pills to uh, help her feed her gym buff lover every two hours. So this lady took it upon herself to, uh, every two hours, pump breast milk and feed said breast milk to her boyfriend. And they both seem to think that this has uh, inherent value when it comes to um, his working out, his muscle mass, his protein. And uh, I'm not sure what you think, but number one, it's a headline. Number two, it's actually real, which is staggering in itself. And um, I, I must admit that I've tried to get my head around it, and I can't see any salient benefits whatsoever, really, to be perfectly frank. Um, anyway, that is uh, this week's instalment of, of Gits, and the sea uh, concerned this time, I reckon it should be the Caspian, because there the are lots of sharks in the Caspian, and I could probably put paid to it and accelerate the Darwinism that's, that is evidently very, very much in need. So anyway, Jennifer Mulford, you are this week's Git. Raise your head, put up your hand, sit in the corner. You are a monumental dumbass.
It's hard to argue that that's not uh, the Mutz proverbials. That's uh, that's New Order, and uh, that's from 1990, the last time England had a, a, a tidy football team at a tournament. And, of course, that's, uh, that's World in Motion, and that's John Barnes doing the rap in there. And that is a request for Kim, not just Kim, but uh, a certain Kim Clark Champness, who I uh, had a nice chat with yesterday, and I'll be featuring uh, the fruits of that interview uh, on next week's programme, which will be available a week from now, give or take. Um, so, Kim, thank you for uh, suggesting that one. Always, always welcome that that particular track when it's uh, when it's tournament time in the summer. And um, before that, we heard the uh, the Sean Ryder, Goldie, and Andy Weatherall Kermit uh, collaboration. We're England. That's uh, by Four Lions, and that is available through iTunes. Speaking of iTunes, I must share with you my elation at uh, having the podcast added to iTunes. So you can uh, subscribe either through the regular Podbean or through the CKCU FM website. But to get it all nice and tidy, crisp and clean, get yourself on iTunes, subscribe to the podcast, and it will arrive in all its glory as soon as I upload it on a weekly basis. So I'm very happy about that. Uh, I wanted to also mention that I've had to bump some songs to next week from this week. I intended to play some altered images and a couple of uh, new new tracks uh, from Cooler Shaker and Ladyhawk. So they've been bumped. Uh, and it looks like next week there's going to be uh, like an, a litany of, of, of new release uh, material. Uh, and I'll go through what I'm intending to play and I hope that, that it actually uh, uh, works out that way. Uh, Suede, new stuff. Catfish in the Bottle Men, new stuff. Cooler Shaker, I mentioned. New Amber Arcades on, on Heavenly Records. Fantastic, that is. New Block Party, which is brilliant. And the new Coral as well. Just phenomenal stuff. If I can squeak it in, I've got to get some dredge on there for Dave uh, out in the black country. And um, we'll try and readdress that Lady Hawk track that I was wanting to play today. So that looks like I've got half of next uh, next show already programmed, which is, uh, which is good. It means less work for me. 
Um, the next track that we're going to hear is super, super interesting. It is. Um, it's uh, a very odd collaboration from a, uh, a, a collection of uh, musicians who are in turn Spurs uh, supporters. And uh, like, like most football clubs, there are at least one decent fanzine. And, and uh, uh, Spurs have one called The Spur. And a chap called Stuart Mutler, who uh, was the editor, and I'm not even sure if, if The Spur is still going. Uh, but anyway, at the time in 1991, he was the, uh, the, uh, the editor. And he suggested to uh, some local musos uh, who are Spurs. Spurs fans uh, to to record a record and and they did and it's uh, it was available only as a flexi disc with uh, if you want to get pedantic about it issue 24 from September 1991 of the Spur so if you're a Spurs fan you're probably going to get it me not being a Spurs fan probably the only piece of Spurs memorabilia I've ever bought but I bought it back in the day uh, and uh, let's talk about the band so the band are called the Lilies uh, Spurs being the Lily Whites, in case you didn't know. Uh, and the collaboration features Simon Raymond uh, of the Cocteau Twins. Uh, I keep saying the when I'm not supposed to and leaving it out uh, when, when I shouldn't. Simon Raymond from Cocteau Twins, who now runs that uh, wonderful label, uh, uh, Bella Union. Uh, Mickey from Lush. Uh, also with Chris Ackland from Lush. And Russell and Kevin from Moose, all Spurs fans. And they recorded this particular tune that uh, adorned the front of, the, of, of issue number 24 of the Spur, and it's called, and David Seaman will be very disappointed about that. And if you know your football, you know exactly what game that refers to.
to the left. Samway's ahead. And Lineker uses him by not using him. Good try, score! And David Seaman will be very disappointed about that. It seemed to go through his fingers. Oh, 
this is a story about the wooden tops. There was Mummy wooden top and the baby, and Daddy wooden top. Then there were Willie and Jenny the twins, and Mrs. Scrubbit who comes to help Mummy wooden top, and Sam who helps Daddy wooden top, and last of all, the very biggest spotty dog you ever did see. And they all live together in a little house in the country. The Wooden Tops from Granular Tales uh, from 2014, and that is most definitely smoking. And before that, we heard uh, from The Wooden Tops once more, Give It Time from uh, Giant on uh, Rough Trade Records from all that long, long, long way ago. 
uh, and uh, from 1986 rather. Uh, and I'm really happy to uh, be playing for you uh, after this a uh, a lengthy chat with with Rollo, uh, Rollo McGinty. Um, and um, he goes into an awful lot of, uh, of his uh, influences, what he's doing of late, some forthcoming material that's coming out, uh, his, his love for certain genres of music. Just a very, very, very interesting chap, and I was very, very happy to, to have an opportunity to talk with him. Uh, that's forthcoming, so I'm going to play that for you momentarily. But uh, don't forget, uh, as a last reminder before uh, this show comes to a halt after the, uh, the Roland McGinty interview, is you can uh, reach out to me. You can, you can, you can just send it my way, as they say. Uh, you can reach out via email at uh, nearperfectpitch at gmail.com. You can uh, follow at uh, nearperfpitch on Twitter. You can do the same on Instagram at nearperfectpitch, and you can uh, like and follow the Facebook page at nearperfectpitch. So we did get to quite a lot today. Um, as I as I look through what we've played, we've, we got to. Uh, uh, a request or two. We played a few new releases, uh, namely uh, The Strokes, uh, Travis, and uh, Four Lions. Oh, and of course, the new the new uh, material from Wire, which I'm just particularly enamoured with. Not a bad show. Not a bad show, I think. So, anyway, enjoy the interview with Rollo, and I shall be back. Hello. Hey. All right, Rollo, how are you, mate? Yeah, can you, can you hear me? I can yes. hear you. Clear as a bell. Clear as a bell. Can you see me? I can see you, but you can't see me. So you you, you get the best deal. Uh, so how's I how's I? See you. <laughs> Are you in Ibiza still? No, I wish I was. No, just get back. I'm back in Deptford. <laughs> back in Deptford. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's nice to talk to you. I just wanted to um to, to do a little catch up to try and fill in some of the blanks because um. Uh, play play a lot of you on the program, and I uh, just wanted to see if I could uh, share some of your goings on with 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 the listenership to see what you've been up to of late uh, with with the latest record and uh, and such like. See what your plans are for the future. So, over to you, sir. What, what do you mean over to me? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you you just got back from. I'm assuming a holiday. That was pleasure, right? What did you mean? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I can tell this is going to be a, this is going to be a ride. This interview, isn't it? Um, so, uh, okay. Uh, well, we did um, we did a tour of the UK, the northern part of the UK. Yeah, and then uh, that was every night for a week, and we did it like um, Prince and Third Eye Go. You know, just me and two other people. So we did it as a three-piece band, not as a five-piece band. Yes. Um, which you know, there was a lot of reasons why, but um, actually, um, it was a really great thing to do, <laughs> uh, and it worked really well. And then the last date of that was like a big sort of indie thing, right? With like House of Love and Wonder stuff, doing a, a back after thirty years of not doing anything, and. Uh, uh, the primitives with their very nice singer, and uh, was that one of them? <laughs> Tracy, I mean, were, Tracy, yeah, I think Tracy. It was all of us in one big room, and we were really late additions to the bill. Yeah. So we opened proceedings in the big room, and it was absolutely smashing gig. It was fantastic. And then 
after that, it was straight back here, and then I had to go, uh, yeah, I had to go to Ibiza, and I, I went to DJ and do a gig, but actually the way it worked out, I just did a gig, but um, it was kind of like uh, I, I did... I did a gig with, I went on my own, just on my own, and um, I arranged for a guitar to be there for me, right. and basically I was handed a sort of old nylon string guitar that had been on the wall of the bar for God knows how long, <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, I, I thought that I was playing with a guy called Gypsy something or other, because I said, oh look, have you got a flamenco player or like, you know, sort of Spanish-style guitar player who would be up for doing a gig with me and that would be really fun to do and I'll send them the chords and stuff and, you know. And um, and I've since found out that the, the guy I was going to do it with, whose name was Gypsy, is actually the main guy from the Gypsy Kings. <laughs> <laughs> he really would have kicked my ass. But I didn't do it with him at the end. Something happened and he couldn't do it. So I did it with a girl who lives in a van on the beach um, uh, whose name was Alicia Todd, and she was absolutely freaking fantastic. So what I've been really enjoying doing is putting um, the wooden tops, as people know the wooden tops, putting it through kind of really intense filters. Yeah. So I just put it through an intense filter of being like a really kind of intense three-piece kind of power trio thing. And then, and then uh, a, a babe off the beach who plays guitar and, and basically lives under the sun and busks through a living. And she was so talented, I mean, her, her voice and, and her playing was really ace. So I suddenly realised I actually didn't really have to play that guitar off the wall of the bar very much at all, so I used it more as a drum kit than anything else, and let her play the guitar and just sang and took it in. You know, it's quite funny that it was in Ibiza because... Um, I sort of turned it actually into like a kind of flamenco act where 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 you you might have the singer <clears throat> will stand and will stand and walk around and quite sort of like almost like <coughs> Jacques Brel or something will just narrate narrate the songs and just perform to the people whilst the guitar player right. you know plays and sits down in the background. So we kind of sort of did it like that. So my guitar came became more of a thing to hit and sort of th throw around at dramatic moments and, and I hardly played it at all. I mean, I think I, I don't think I've ever played a guitar so little. Uh, and it worked really well. It was like, Rodriguez and something, there's two of them, they work together and they're kind of the, the Spanish, I think. Do you know who I mean? It's I do, I do, I do. I know who you mean. I can't, I yeah, can't uh, yeah, recite. It was that sort of thing, you know, and, you know, didn't use microphones in PA. It just did it really just like sat on these two chairs in this outside area. And it was really personal. And um, and actually, funnily enough, one of, one of my favourite gigs of ever, you know, it was, just, it was just like a, you know, under the evening sky. And I just was really... Um, I, I felt like I could sing really well and just relax and, and, and she was fine and she was just like waiting for me to give her the looks so she knew the chorus was going to happen, which I would give her and we'd both go into the chorus at the same time. And, you know, it was just, 
uh, I've spent so long thinking that we must do at least a week's rehearsal before we do anything, and just like completely, you know, um, absolute raving control freak and everything. And then suddenly found myself recently just like, relaxing and just just letting it come together under the song. As long as the vocal is strong and the song knows what it's doing and where it's going, it's amazing how 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 actually how it could just fall together into a different shape but really work and still be still be the same thing. But it's kind of really experimental and I really I, I really want to do a lot more of that. You know, so I, I kind of suddenly become a little bit more understanding of like if people can really play then it's almost like they can just turn up and do it without really knowing what it is. <laughs> you know? Yeah, dude, this sounds like is, a... yeah, I mean, you know, in the sixties a lot of people did that. I mean they just turned up and played and um and, and they would just look at the guitar neck and they could see what the chord was going to be before it was played by just about, you know, they knew what they were with just that kind of higher level of skill. Yes. You yeah. know. So, um, yeah, I'm really happy with what happened there. Uh, and um, and so actually it's been a really good couple of weeks and, and now there's a, a festival at the end of this week in Cambridge and I'm organising, you know, five people and a van and equipment and the whole damn thing and it just feels like a huge behemoth monster that I'm trying to pull together after what I've just been through, you know, it's just like banded car or just, <laughs> just turn up and go with whatever happens and and like now it's like, yeah, you know. Is it, how is it, it uh, how, many, how many amps are you bringing? Two? Oh, okay. oh. Yeah. Well, is, is it against the grain, Rollo, for you to be, well, this, this experience that you've just, you've had in the last couple of weeks, you know, this personal, organic, off-the-cuff kind of vibe that you were just just in this in this environment that you're probably not used to. Um, this this organic way of of of, of creating music uh, as you hark back to the '60s, uh, that kind of effortless uh, jam session type vibe. Um, is it something that uh, surprised you? That that hang on a minute, this is this is very very easily. This is effortless. And yeah, it surprised me because because. Because I didn't actually realise that my own confidence was growing, and, and, and really? far far from far from getting more paranoid about if it's crap, my confidence is actually growing, and I can pull things off that I maybe before couldn't do. I was like really dependent on the same people if they weren't there, then I did. But you know, it's kind yeah. of we're all up now, and and I spent I spent so much time over the past few years like basically programming and and rarely working with musicians and and. Uh, um, and working a lot with you know in a different form of music that um uh, that I I am I'm, I'm so refreshed from doing that for working with with rock and roll and working with people I just find it all like, apart from the admin you know uh, I, I I find I find it really um, invigorating and really, so I think you you really need a break from it sometimes and and uh, uh, and I think that's it your batteries do get refreshed and, and that's the funny thing I was thinking in in ethos of sitting back after that was finished about about how 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 actually I just did in a very very sort of what could have been a very self-conscious and nervous situation to be in with it you know with this hippie kid from the beach and she was really really pretty and she was just looking at me and just smiling all the time and, and, I, and it was really hard not to laugh you know yeah. but then at the same time I sort of gone into gone into the the whole um, the zone of performance so yeah, you, you you leave yourself behind. You go into. You become the song. You become the moment. You become the. You become the atmosphere of the moment. You actually one hundred percent become that. 
And so it was just like really, I felt like distant from her, you know, looking at me and smiling, waiting out, when we're we, we still doing this bit ugly? Is the cue coming up? What, what are you just throwing the guitar on the ground? Am I, am I playing guitar on my own now? What, what's going on? <laughs> Fantastic. Just I look at her and smile and just like sing, sing into her eyes and then we both drop into the chorus and the harmony would be perfect and she's in such a nice voice. Um, and I just, I just sat back from that and I had just a real kind of eureka moment of, of um, freedom, of creative freedom. And, right. Uh, yeah. Um, and, you know, I think, I think it's, yeah, I think it's really good for you, you know, because I mean that's this is all I do. You yeah, know, this this is what I do, and and um, you know some of the people that I work with, you know, they do other things as well. So sometimes I I I I, I might say, oh, okay, um, I have a couple of musicians that aren't available this week, so can we move the date to another time? And now I have no intention of doing that. I just say yes and just do it with whatever, and know that if I think it's going to work, it is going to work. Do, do you have? Uh, did you manage to record any of this either audio, visually or audio for this for, for posterity? The experience. Uh, yeah, one of the one of the Balearic, Balearic guys uh, did actually phone it on, uh, film it on his phone, and he's he's still over there now. I, I, I was only there for a couple of nights; they were still there, so yeah. I will get to see it. And maybe maybe it won't seem as good as it felt on the film. It's very often like that. It's like if you if you watch yourself snowboarding, and then someone films you snowboarding, you're thinking. Oh, I'm, I'm <laughs> moving fast here, man. This is, yeah, I can really do it. And then you see the film afterwards and you're going like, like one mile per hour, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, perhaps, perhaps keep it, keep keep the objectivity and keep the, the innocence. You don't don't watch the video back yourself, but let, let the rest of us look at it. Yeah. You know? And then again, a white out is a white out, yeah. But, but you know, um, uh, yeah, it, it's just that, it's just that sort of, you know, time moves really, really, really fast. And then next time you, suddenly you realise that you're a mature musician and that's that is something maybe you were scared of once you know like you know, but but when you get that realization you realize that you are and that you're actually really highly pro and you can do all of these things and you can you can get the best out of people just like that by kind of being nice to them but being helpful as well and then giving them a little bit of space for being who they are uh, uh, rather than being, you know, the raving control freak that I've been all my life, who said, well, it, it doesn't matter who you think you are, Sonny, yeah. do it. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, like that. And, and I'm sure, I'm sure that the, the regular musicians that I would work with would say, oh, yeah, 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 okay, you're, you're a bastard, but, you know, it's, you, you, you do appreciate what we do. Well, I think they would say that anyway, because, you know, most of the time, uh, I, I, you know, I'll turn up with the tapes, and everything as, as, as the guitarist who's been there since day one would say, well, you know, you bring the tapes in and it's all a bit set in stone. Uh, yeah, I suppose it is. But then at the same time, I quite often would leave bits and or or, or or give them this thing that says it's supposedly set in stone and say, play it your way. You know, don't play exactly like this, play it your way. That's yeah. what I'm giving to you because I want you to play this your way and make it all your own. I'm just sort of starting the ball rolling. Uh, also, you know, I have a, a, a very intense urgency about when I write, so it, it would really annoy me to like leave a great big space for someone else to fill it in, and then we right. have to wait a week or two for them to like hurry up and get it together. Yeah. So I just, I just, just move at high speed, and 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 um, and um, yeah, I'm sure that can be a bit frustrating to work with sometimes because can make you impatient because you're used to that. So far, you you yeah. know. 
It's your way. But anyway, yeah, I, I don't really know what I'm babbling on about here. But, um, I do. I, it, it all makes <laughs> sense to me. So I was going to ask you because you alluded to this earlier in the conversation that you, know, you, you were playing. You were playing with a lot of bands who would, you know. Uh, celebrating their 30th anniversary and as I do my radio show and podcasts and I'm playing songs and I, and I share with the listeners you know the, the information who wrote it uh, you know the year it was released the label and all that stuff and when I when I recite the year things are released I, I, I perpetually age myself and it blows my mind that that the likes of yourself and the, the primitives uh, the wonder stuff I mean you even precede them in terms of your output um, you are a seasoned <laughs> veteran of the music industry. And when did that actually... Somebody said the battle hardened wooden tops and I said they had this image of like, we now had our own tank with WT on the side of the turret. Yeah. Oh, battle hardened wooden tops. Well, the House of McGinty in Game of Thrones <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. House of McGinty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it is, I mean, it must, it must have, at some point, at some point you wake up in the morning and say, hang on a minute. Uh, I'm, I'm not this kid anymore. I'm still, you know, I'm still vocational. This is what I do. This is my life. But I'm no spring chicken anymore. But hang on a minute, I've got some, I've got some recon here. I can, I can share this information with people. At what point did you say, hang on a minute, I've, I've really earned my stripes here. This is all I've ever done. And uh, you know, the, the contents of your brain and, and your experience, you, you, you have that opportunity now to share it. And, and is, is that changed you in any way? Because from, from a fresh-faced kid churning out your first release on food to, to being a, a battle-hardened veteran now, uh, that's, that's been a long journey, but uh, it's been organic and, and you haven't really looked at it as such because it's so personal to you. But as a, as a fan, I've seen you grow uh, over the years to, to, to something that's been a big part of my life. And, and do you have, often take a step back and say, hang on a no, minute? Well, thanks for sharing the, sharing the journey. You know, it's like, a, 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 wasn't it Lou Reed had, a, had a, an album or a song or an album called Growing Up in Public? You know what? I, I, I must admit my ignorance. I've got a lot of Lou Reed. That doesn't ring any bells, sure, but I'm sure you're right. Or he might have had his song. Might have been a single. I can actually look it up as we're talking. Yeah, you can Google it. Because I don't. Lou Reed growing up in public. I mean, you know, I sort of feel that's 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 what what I've done. Um, but uh, I, I haven't finished growing up. Uh, oh crap! Never never Lou stop. Lou Reed album. Yeah, it was. Yeah, you did have one. Good for you. Um, but. Uh, um, uh, you know, it's got it's, it's 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 an interesting situation. We've got an album out that we did record when we got back together, and it was a little while ago. Yes. But we've not actually really had the chance to properly promote that album, uh, and uh, you know, suddenly we were in thirtieth anniversary uh, territory, and we were playing Giant all the way through again, and yeah, stuff like that, and we. For a while, we were slipping a few numbers from the new album in, but still, you know, people, you know, we, we, I've, done, I've actually done the thing before where you um, you go, right, fuck all the old music, uh, we'll we, we play it another time, but that's not the important thing right now. What's important is the new stuff. We've done an entire set of completely new songs that nobody knows, um, and with an entirely expanded band of, like, uh, uh, something and playing really sort of, scientific uh, house music orientated pop songs that no one has done nobody's doing anything like and it was absolutely amazing it probably was the best thing we've done but um, it was before it was the, the audience the British audience particularly the French uh, they absolutely did not understand what the hell they were looking at and you know we had a riot in Paris uh, yeah. different ad, 
and we had a couple of black musicians, and I and I swear that they were being singled out for for things to be thrown. It, it felt like it was, oh, I didn't say this, but it felt like there was an element of racism in there as well. It's like the the indie the indie fraternity just couldn't understand where we were coming from with that. And then in London, yeah, about half the audience walked walked out, but. The other half were all sort of were, were, were club people that had been sort of brought in by YYY and, and all of that. And, 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 you know, they absolutely just loved it, you know. And, and the film of it, you can see it was just like people on shoulders and yeah. everything. So, so it, wasn't like, it wasn't like people didn't completely... There were people that understood what we were doing and, and, and related to what we were doing. I mean, I think Andy Weatherall was there that night and I bumped into him and, you know, he hasn't forgotten it. You know, it's like, that was just so amazingly funky and, and different. And, and you know, all, all, all the other bands were, were getting DJs to do their remixes and they were, they were all doing, using pretty much the same loops and beats. And it was all, that's what, that's what the kind of, you know, rock dance crossovers should sound like. But I mean... You know, without wishing to you know, blow some trumpet, I mean, we were light years ahead of that. Yeah. And, um, um, and so uh, it, it took a really long time for people to sort of really understand what what we were doing there. But, you know, I mean, I will say also that that was an extremely expensive band to run. So we did, we did a fantastic European tour. And I mean, you know, in countries like Spain, they got it right away. I mean, it was just like, there was no question about it. There yeah. were amazing, amazing gigs. Uh, and, um, but um, uh, it, yeah, it was just funny seeing that kind of comp. But, you know, that was what we did. We didn't play Move Me or we didn't play uh, Good Thing or any of those. We didn't play any of them. We did play One by One, but we didn't play any of the others. Yeah. And, um, you know, that, that alienates the audience. So I learned from that experience that actually, much of it seems like a completely obvious thing to do. It's like, okay, we're going to play the new albums, we're not going to play the one that came out, you know, before, we're going to play this one. Uh, you know, you, you actually have to, you do have to play some songs that they know. Yes, you know, that, that is, unfortunately, that's that's half the audience. I mean, if you do do that, you do polarise the audience. But all I care about from what you just said is that you... You got an endorsement from Andy Weatherall, so that's high praise. So good enough. Uh, so. Oh well, I mean, you know, I'm really lucky, boy, because because I'm the singer and writer of a band that has endorsements and pips yeah. from from just about anyone that you can think of. Uh, that is anyone in that whole scene. You know, they they were all. Really they understand, going, don't they? They understand what you do. Well, you know, um, I don't. You know, I don't think there's any other indie band that that has has stood at the side of the decks watching Tony Humphreys with three copies of their record on. <laughs> no, um, no, <laughs> that's true. Making, making it extend for 20 minutes. Uh, uh, and, you know, I mean, there is, you know, everyone from Carl Cox through to Darren Emerson through to Danny through to, I mean, everybody, all of them, met them all, and the first thing they say is, you know, oh, my God, we just played, I played wide to death. And, you know, in fact, it surprised me the other day, Steve Proctor, when I met him, he's just done a mix of me when I met him. He shocked me by actually knowing about, you know, uh, like Move Me and and uh, the record that I did for the Wild Swans uh, and stuff like that. He knew about all of that. And he said, "Oh my God, they used to play Move Me, Move Me, Move Me all the time." Brilliant. It's like so, you know, these people, these people have been growing with us, and and they took us along with us. And you know, so Alfredo and Leo Mass and all those guys out in Ibiza that played played us before 
Paul Openfold and Danny and Nicky and all those guys, whatever, the, the guys who were playing it first that the English boys saw playing and thought, that's the wooden tops, and, and brought it back to London. Uh, you know, those guys, they, they came and saw us playing in Spain. They, they came came to Italy and Spain. And, that's and, wonderful. Wonderful yeah, stuff. Yeah, used to play in discos before, you know, they were big open-air, the venues were big open-air discos, so that was like really up our street, because... I mean, that's why, you know, I don't know if it, I it didn't bother you, but that's why we actually didn't really feel anything to do with the indie movement whatsoever. I mean, because we signed to Rock Trade, well, that, yes. was, that, that was it. We were on the same label as the Smiths and the Fall, so therefore we were lumped into it. And also we had an, an anti-name, the Wooden Tops was an anti-name. It is, yeah. Uh, the Smiths was an anti-name. So, um, you know, we kind of got... And then you got people like the Railway Children and stuff, so it's like we got like, lumped in with all of that. You do. So we, we really were not that kind of thing at all. We, we, we were just so not. I mean... Um, I'm glad you brought that up because you know seasoned, been a seasoned enemy reader since you know since the dawn of time, and I always I always used to get a chuckle out of uh, journos trying to pigeonhole uh, your work, be it a single, be it an album, because you yeah. were you were ahead of your time, and you, you you've, you've I hate the expression, but in terms of crossing over musical genres, you were doing it way well, way before anyone actually got it, and before it became any way commercial. Yeah, I mean the thing is, it's like. Did we? I mean, well, it's a funny old thing, but okay. So you had you had like loaded was a massive re- the Andy Weatherall hit that like, went really went ballistic, and then and then all the Primal Scream sort of Weatherall produced stuff afterwards. Uh, I remember Primal Scream heard it heard loaded and thought it was just the worst piece of shit, and they hated it at first. Um, so you got you know they didn't get it, uh, and then and then then you've got like Happy Mondays bringing in, uh, um, you know, uh, Paul Oakenfold and, and that engineer that he was working for, uh, that he was working with, and, yep. uh, you know, they were all doing that. But, you know, they were doing that really a long time after Y was already out there on the terraces in, 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 in outdoor places. That's right. Stadiums, but then actually in the stadiums and stuff. This had all happened before, before, uh, before there was that fusion between these bands. So, you know, Balearic Beat, um, you know, uh, Wild 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 was a mega hit of that uh, before it was really Balearic Beat. And, you know, as Paul, Paul Oakenfold said when he first contacted me, he said, you know, there are tw- 10, 20,000 people in these places I'm playing and they know every word of the song and it's the, it's the record of the night. So, you know, you almost be fat-headed enough to sort of say, perhaps we sort of invented something there because what that was was that was a fusion between um, like reggae uh, dub reggae yes. uh, afro beat it sort of craft works styled sequences you know, some caravana some caravana in there too isn't there I don't have the cassette here to yeah. hand, but if I played you what the original demo was like you get it straight away. It was called Africa Satellite before it was called YYY, and it was yeah. it was about technological Africa, and uh, um, and and you know, it, and, then it, and then but then it had the acoustic guitar, and you know, I was just slamming the acoustic guitar on it somehow and started beating away. So it still had that it had that flamenco edge to it. So so it was it was it was coming from a, a band that loved James Brown and Fela Kuti and, and think because we would dance, we'd go out dancing all the time. That's yeah. what we did. And, and we wanted to see our audience dancing from the front to the back before that night was over because that's what we used to do in our rehearsal room. We used to just play things round and round and round until it got all our little legs going. You know, that's, 
then we knew it was danceable. So that's, that's always what we were trying to do. We weren't, that's, that's where we were from. Uh, and so, yeah, we finally really did get the acceptance of, for that uh, and, 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 and acceptance across the board. And, and, you know, American DJs like Tony Hump is playing us on his tour and playing us on Kiss FM New York City. Uh, and, you know, I mean, I see Todd Terry and uh, Masters at Work in the DJ booth with Tony Humphries playing wooden tops and then all swigging on shampoo, champagne and dancing around. They play the too. They play the too. So, um, you know, I, I mean, I was out there clubbing a lot and I had a lot of friends who were spies who they always tell me if they heard something play. Um, and, um, and so, yeah, I mean, absolute, absolute acceptance by all of the tastemakers of, of all of that, which is... Which, which I've never have dreamed of, of in the past. But that's what we were trying to achieve, in a way. So when that happened, it, it's kind of like, really great. But, you know, it's, it's like we're now talking 30-year anniversary of that, of that acceptance. And, and, you know, so the next thing we have coming out is a, a remix of YYY project. Lovely. Which, has, which, I mean, I have an album's worth of remixes ranging from... Uh, a beautiful one by uh, Leo Mass, which is just like my. I mean, I love it. I love it. Love it. How long uh, is it? How long's the track there, Roller? Uh, How long is it? How long's the track going for? Uh, eight minutes. Eight minutes. Look, that's a, that's a, yes, that's the and pocket. Then there's one from uh, Rui de Silva and Danny de Matos, uh, who have an act called Lisbon Kid, and their their one is really really dope. You mix the two together, it's fantastic. Then we've got uh, the, the, the person who started the whole thing in the first place was Trevor Funk. So we've got a mix, probably about two mixes from Trevor. Uh, and then uh, my friend in New York City, Justin Strauss, has done one. And it's interesting because he's done one at like, the original tempo, and uh, so has Trevor Funk. And then we've got these, the young team in called Dennis the Knight, who've just turned it into kind of, this is really funny, it's just like, it's like apology or something. It's like mash up, mash up, break beat. It's really, but they're young, you know. They're not, they're not like prodigy uh, time. They're different. They're from somewhere else. Yeah, maybe. they're Italian actually. Uh, and then uh, we've got Steve Proctor's done a mix, and uh, his is brilliant. And um, and my God, there's about another three, and I can't think of them. These are all people who've come to us and said, "Oh, can I do one?" So. It's it's, <laughs> it's like well, a self-reflecting thing. Yeah, will you, will you be putting that out on your own uh, on your own, or will you be going through uh, a label it's like Cherry Red? Wall of Sound, actually. Oh, Wall of Sound. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, so it was supposed to be out on June the tenth, but we're almost at June the tenth. It's going to be a bit delayed. There's quite a little bit more things that got to be done. But um, but you know when that's out, and that when I know officially that's out. Yeah. I almost want to make it last as long as I can before it goes out because I know when that goes out, I've got to like shit. I've got nothing to put out. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. yes. You've got to you've got to time it sequentially. You know, and I still feel that the last one we did has not really had its chance to be played to perfection, so to speak. Well, you know, it was it was recorded when we just got back together, and I did a lot of post production on it to to really kind of sharpen it up. But that, you know, it's like what, what you do is you record an album, and you always record an album and finish it off. 
using drop-ins or whatever techniques you can to make it better than you actually are. And then that becomes your target to, to, to play the album better than it is, beat it, you know. So, you know, I, I, the, the last one, Granny the Tales, I feel like we haven't really had a chance to, to really, like, bust that one out live and, and really put the life into it as, as much as, as, it, as it deserves, you know. Well, that's what um, I was going to talk about. I wanted to talk about Gran Granny the Tales because it, it's... I'd love I, to talk about I, 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 I don't want to insult you by saying it arrived with a whimper, but, um, you know, you, you had to dig for it, and, and I've shared it with as many people as possible. First of all, how did um, the Cherry Red thing happen? Because they asked. I mean, I had it nearly finished, and um, I was sort of umming and ahhing about who I'd take it to, who would be right to put it out on. And... And then uh, Cherry Red just started sort of bullying me to, to make it them. Um, and um, I, I kind of thought, actually, it's okay for it to come out in a kind of uh, smaller way because we have disappeared for so long yes. uh, that I know that it... Possibly, I don't think we would have been able to put it out on a major label, to be honest with you. Um, and and at that particular time when it came out, everybody in record labels was absolutely terrified about what the future was bringing. They they were they absolutely just did not know what the hell to do. And uh, and so I thought, well, actually, you know, stick it out through through um, Cherry Red and. Just let it get out there, and just just see see how it goes. You know, just see how it goes. There's, a, there's no pressure, sort of thing. Yes. Um, and um, yeah, we did get a, good, a few good reviews, uh, and um, and so we started playing it out. And then pretty soon we realised that yeah, we have to play a lot of the original tunes because. One of the things that you realise now, now, now that you know you're a grown-up, mature musician um, who has to shave twice a day, uh, <laughs> you you realise that actually things that you have done in the past mean a lot to people of that time because it was part of their lives of that time, exactly. and it was part of their lives that was a really good time in their lives. Where quite often they were just they were just hanging around with a with with, with with a woman who maybe perhaps now is the wife and his two children, and, or or they were times of freedom. They were times of being able to go out all the time and yes. you know really bright, rosy, great time in their life. And we're part of that. So you know you cannot you 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 you, you should only feel proud and pleased that people have have you are as a part of their life in that way and a, and a, and a good part of their life. Um, that is so, so, so true. You need to play those songs to them. So um, you, need to, you need to play them really well. You need to, them to really enjoy enjoy hearing the song and enjoy the performance and you need to enjoy their excitement and that, you, that you've done it well enough that they're not looking and going, ooh, this ain't as good as it used to be. You have to really really make it alive and so it makes the good time in their lives alive it's a self-perpetuating excitement and um, and it has to be absolutely respected 
and um, and catered for. So you know, it's just like we can't always get a two-hour gig. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, yep. <laughs> <laughs> They're hard to come by. I do like a fifteen-minute gig. We we played a fifteen-minute gig at uh, a place called the uh, Half Moon in Putney very recently, which was a benefit for polystyrene and yes. Charlemagne, and uh, they had all the punk bands that I used to listen to. And, uh, you know, when I was like 18, so, you know, and uh, uh, they were all there. They were all, they, everybody paid for about 15 minutes. And, and it, was just, it was really rammed. It was amazing atmosphere. And it felt great to just like bust it for 15 minutes and then get off and the next one comes up. And that's very much like the 60s, you know, the reviews, you know, that people used to go and they'd play a really short time. Then the next time, because you'd have like... God knows how many bands in one one review, so everyone would play uh, their hit and another song and then off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's the almost the. Yeah, you... I, I, I like all that. I like that. I like that. I mean, you don't get too much of it. Yeah, you know, the wooden tops give the wooden tops a chance and they start going off into improvisational psychedelic ethics. <laughs> uh, and, um, and we will, we will, because we, we love to. Do it. I love to, but uh, you know, you, you couldn't do that in those days. You just had to bust it out. So it's quite, it's quite, it's quite, it's quite. Good to be able to do that. You, you can just get like a little bit of naughty in there as well, and and uh, just the right amount. So it's not straight. It's not it's not a straight performance. It's still got it's still got a bit of uh, woo in it to it. You know. Yeah, I was reading about that gig. It sounded like it was fantastic to have been there to, to just to rattle through all those bands in, in three or four hours. Fantastic stuff. That must have been great. Um, yeah, can you imagine. I mean, never you'd always want for more of each one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so that's your that's uh, performance one, and then you go through go through uh, six sixty performances, and then 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 you could conceivably do do part two on another day. Now about yeah. about the, the previous release, which which I, I love the remasters, remixes, and rarities that you put together. Um, um, I, I don't want to belabor it because I, I know it was an awful lot of work. You'd be a fool to think it was otherwise. But how long did it take you to 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 uh, get this project in the can? Well, if I said 10 years, you'd say, what, are you searching for master tapes for 10 years in the basement? And, and I could say, in a way, yeah, but um, what it was, was uh, one little Indian bought all of the bargain price, all of the stuff from uh, Rough Trade Basement, or, or, or the, all the stuff that Rough Trade owned, yes. with the exception of the Smiths, they didn't get that, and they didn't get four, and they got a lot of, they got, They've got quite a few others, um, and um, and they've got us, and literally about ten, ten years, eight, eight years ago. No, that's probably even more now. Time goes fast. Well, I went with an employee of the record company to this big warehouse in White City, where they had all of their tapes stored in the right temperature and all that kind of jazz, and um, and I saw all of these boxes. Uh, full of our master tapes. I remember, I remember picking them up and looking at them and seeing little doodles that I'd done on the box of you know, <laughs> the studio. That I, some little thing that I'd forgotten about forever, and there it was. And, and you know, like the the, the the Lee Perry tapes, and just all that. I was holding it in my hand and feeling it and looking at it and just thinking, "Wow, man, that's so fucking great to see all that again." Anyway, I I just I think. That we put a load of boxes in the back of the car and drove back to London and then took them out in the office and they were going to be remastered then. But 
Why did Lindsay decide not to do it then? Uh, and so, what happened to the tapes? Did they go with the guy somewhere, like his garage, and they're still there now? Yeah. Or did they go back to the warehouse? What happened? I don't know, and nobody can tell me. And when I sort of started making inquiries, I found out that, yeah, everything had been... They, they stopped renting the space in the warehouse, and they moved it to their office down in uh, Tooting. And... Um, and that everything had been dispatched from the warehouse and was in the office in Tooting. So uh, a few years after I touched those tapes in my hand, I was rolling up my sleeves and I spent an entire day in the tape in the tape store fighting through Björk and Shaman tapes, looking for my tapes. And I did find a couple of pieces, uh, but um, yeah, I, it, is, it is all gone. It is all, all gone. So what... I did have left was I had the the, the, the mixed master tapes of giant wolf cops on the highway, a few uh, a, a couple of twelve inches, and so I had to find the rest of the catalogue. And um, there was a couple of times that we did use the CD and, and take it from the CD and just slightly tweak it or hardly tweak it at all. But um, the the ones that really stand out for me are. Uh, the ones that came off cassette tapes, because what my manager at the time used to do was take a cassette tape home with me at the end of the session and uh, store it and never play it. So he gave me all his cassette tapes. So I, I went back to a collection, looked at you know, and I was finding in those cassettes uh, some of the things that I wanted to put on this box set. So I took them into the mastering place. Uh, I was working with a great guy called Cass, Cassie Irvin. And, um, and we, we had some of them, uh, like for example, that kind of like remix of Move Me that's on there. We had, uh, we, had the, uh, we had the vinyl version, the 45. We had a really quality vinyl that hadn't been played. And, and then we had the cassette version which was on, I, I think it, it might have been a metal tape or, or it would have definitely been one of those higher end ones you had to change the settings for. Yeah, yeah Chrome was on Chrome. Yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, so we, we used a cassette player that is really funny because it was, I think, a company called Iowa and they had a little window where they tried to sort of make really high-end professional stuff like Nakamichi or something like that. They, so they, they had this like pro Iowa cassette machine um, and it was, it was a big beast and uh, it, it's got like a, a hole in it at the front with a screw inside and you, you have the, a really sort of special little long screwdriver and you turn that screw and what it does is it, it alters the angle of the, it's called the azimuth. Yes, the so azimuth, yeah. What it does is it just slightly changes the, the, the tracking of the tape going over the tape head by moving the tape head a tiny little bit left or right or, you know, and uh, what what that does is it sort of makes it a little bit more trebly or it makes it a little bit more bassy or a bit more muffled. You know, you can hear it changing as you gently turn the screw. So we, we, we mastered some stuff from the cassettes 
using the checking the isms and everything, and you know what they sounded so crisp compared to the vinyl. It was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, so you know, the stuff that came off cassettes was a real success. I mean, I couldn't believe. I mean, uh, the speakers in that room there, they're, they're like each one is about as much as an apartment in London, you know, and they're really big. And, and, and they they're, they're sound fantastic, and, and and you don't turn them up, you don't listen to them very loud. They they are complete sound at a sort of quietish to medium volume. There's no point turning them up. You could hear everything. You could walk between the layers of the music with them quite quiet, and that's what they're for, you know, they're yes. for mastering. Uh, and and it sounded fucking fantastic on them, you know. Uh, and so. Um, and so I would say that the, that the sorting out of the songs, the thinking about it, the finding the bloody tapes, the, the thing, I think it probably was um, about a solid year in the making of, of actual hands-on concentration on it and planning and blah, 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 blah. It was a year, but it had started earlier, you know, when we first pulled out the tapes, I was thinking about it from then. But, you know, the, the absolute horror of realising that all the tapes are gone. I mean, uh, I, I, I basically, to go into the pharmacy and buy everything on the shelves and just eat it in one. That's trauma. Drink, that was that, trauma, wasn't it, just, it for you? Yeah, someone had just lost my whole, my entire career. And, um, and so I, 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 I did go in there and, and I did want, I did want to make a fuss and you know break some shit but um i i realized that nobody actually really knew and uh, even though they've been the tapes have been lost on their shift uh, there's no one really who is actually the person to blame okay it's all of them because it's you know their contract and it's their but but there's nobody so i'm sorry mate i Actually, I accidentally left them in a phone box. There's no nobody did that. Yeah, and it could well be that the employee, that temporary employee, there does actually have them in his garage, but I just can't find it anywhere. I can't remember his name, and uh, so got an, an old email of his, but I could never track him down. But it could be that they still exist there, and it would be wonderful. But you know what? We managed it without them. Uh, but you know, say for example, when people started getting in touch and saying, uh, you know. Can we have the master tape of Wild Wild do a remix? You know, because we've been talking about it, and we're thinking we should ask you. And, you know, could we do a remix? I suddenly realised, well, actually, <laughs> there is no master tape. So um, actually, what we did was I realised that this, you know, I was being asked by a significant amount of people if they could do a remix. Uh, I mean, I think Dub Pistols are doing one as well, and you know, it's like. All these people really needed something to work on, so I just took the band straight in the studio, you know, flashed down some cash, and we recorded it in an afternoon. Uh, and um, uh, and and we recorded it exactly like a live performance of playing it like a live performance, really tight. And uh, and, and that's what that's what they've used. In fact, I even some of the ones that are one twenty BPM. It's quite interesting because I actually started working on a remix myself. And so I kind of gave them that. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's so a remix of a remix. It's got it's got an extra 
an extra twist to it. There's a few parts in there. You think, oh, the remixer must have done that, but no, 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 they were already on there. So they could have they could have done it completely straight, and it could have sounded exactly like it did in the studio, which is quite interesting because that's what Justin Strauss wanted to do, and he did that. Uh, or I mean, he even used the original bass line, and you know, but he didn't use the original drums because he wanted to start straight away with house, you know. So, uh, but but um, you know, it. it, so it it's mine, I own it, I paid for that recording, no one owns it, and one of the have said, you know, kindly said, well, actually, you're right, no, we don't own that, we haven't paid for the recording or anything, but I said, it's actually mine, you know, it's not, it's not theirs. Well, with that, with the, with, with listening to the to the, the release itself, after you've explained all the trials and tribulations to put this, uh, this, this compilation of sorts together, um, to the uninitiated, those who hadn't heard you, um, uh, you've done a heck of a job because when I listen to these on, on, on my best headphones, uh, it's, it's as flawless as it gets. So I can only imagine what it would have sounded like had you had some of the originals for, for, for some of these tracks. So kudos to you. It sounds fantastic. Uh, well, yeah. Well, <clears throat> uh, if we'd had the originals, well, you know, like that move, that move me mix that I said we used to cassette that, that was recorded on quarter-inch tape. That was mastered onto quarter-inch tape, not two-inch, so it was quarter-inch. So, you know, that might, that might have, that might have degraded a little bit. I mean, I tell you what, I tell you what, uh, I learned something that I, I didn't know, which was that, um, when, it's a bit twisted this, but when, when they, Realised that it was unethical to use whale glue to hold the the ferric oxide or to hold the tape together. To, yeah. to, to the binding binding agent. The, they used whale glue, yeah. and there was a time in the eighties where um, uh, 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 Ampex Ampex tape manufacturers, who everyone used uh, Ampex Master, uh, uh, they they stopped using whale glue and they started using synthetic glue and um, the interesting thing is is that the synthetic glue didn't last so um, what what you have to do is you you have to take you for the first play of the master tape for the very first play not the second or third the first because it can only be the first yes you you bake the tape for five to seven days at a particular warm, I can't remember really if it's 30 right but it's like a warm, a warm, warm, warm temperature. And it it just kind of binds it more, and you've got one freaking play before all of the oxide starts falling off. And I've seen what it looks like. It's like a pile of residue underneath the tape head. It just all falls off. So all of those tapes went through that, that process. They were in that room with the radio, like it looks like a, a clay oven for making pots and stuff. They were in there for a week. <clears throat> and then they had their one play and they were put on put on to, you know, really high sampling rate uh, digital recording and uh, and mastered from that. You actually couldn't put the tape on the machine and, and keep running it to oh, let's hear it again and try it with a bit more trouble. You can't do that because the tape just falls off. So yeah. <laughs> so so that's what we did. So we had to convert all of those tapes um, 
So obviously there had to be quite a lot of decisions made before that was done. Otherwise, you'd be wasting money doing that one and then saying, no, I don't want to use that. <laughs> what do you mean? That costs £500 to do. You don't want to use that. You're using it, Sonny. You know, yeah. so, <laughs> so, but I couldn't get everything onto three, three CDs. I couldn't. And <clears throat> the ones I couldn't get on, I couldn't get the B-side of, uh, I think, Well, 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 which is cold inside. I couldn't get that on. And I couldn't get both the get it on from the John Peel session and the get it on from the album on, uh, so and the live one. So uh, I think we put a live get it on on that from right. Uh, and um, so um, uh, you know there, there was maybe two tracks out of the entire the catalog that didn't get on there. So it's ninety nine percent all there, but we just you know we couldn't have one more CD just for like two three tracks because it's just too expensive. <coughs> so you'll be right. So uh, yes, it, it, even talking about it makes me cough. <laughs> just having some uh, psychosomatic effect on you. Just a bit of the floor, the dust. <laughs> You're breathing in all this all this ferric oxide dust. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, so um, it, it was. It was also really fantastic to have uh, Panny on board doing something. Our, 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 our always artist. You know, there was a couple of things that we did where, where for whatever reason, she wasn't involved with it because someone else one day wanted to just keep it in house or something. And <coughs> those were always the ones that we weren't happy with. You know, the whole wooden tops and. Paddy Barty, or she was Charrington when we started and she got married, and you know, the whole Paddy Barty thing on Wooden Tops was, was how it all started, and that, that her art, her stage sets, her, her fabrics, her backdrops, us, our music, her, us together in the warehouse there back in the early 80s, you know, it, so it's a family, so, <coughs> so uh, <coughs> I still haven't forgotten the dance. No, apparently. Right. Right. <laughs> um, so so um, yeah yeah yeah, and I was really glad that that she was on board as well, and, and that it was a complete a complete sort of wooden tops package. Of that's it. Yeah, that, that, I mean that's so actually it's more times than you would you would think. Well, uh, I'm sure. Because it's... to me, also uh, the mastering is ever so slightly different. I mean, Giant and Wooden Foot Cops they were mastered from the original half inch. Um, Tape, yeah, which also had to be baked, uh, but you know, uh, it's interesting because one little Indian let all the other rough trade artists uh, pick up their stuff and take it home, uh, but they would not, not let me take mine, and um, and I, I and I would sort of you know do everything I possibly can, and I turn up at the office looking like a real hobo, like who's living on the street, and say, oh, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Groveling at the office. You're vomiting the bean and shit. You know, make sure that when I wave to people, a couple of nails fell off, and and then uh, and they still don't know. I'm I'm sorry, they're ours in perpetuity. Uh, so they wouldn't let me have them because you know they had quite a few like corpses there in the tape store, but our corpse was still twitching. Yes. So they wouldn't let me have it back, which, in a way, is good because you know they did they did put together the the, the compilation, and <coughs> but I, I I'm sure someone else would have, but uh, 
Yeah, they did. They you know, in the end, I, I found that even though they lost the players and the rest, you know, there's a few people in the office that I really like, and so I kind of quite enjoyed working with them on it. In the end, and, and, and now, and now they, and, and now they've been really cool about the white tape. I, I actually feel while well, the white tape, I feel quite a lot better with them, and and I feel like my relationship with them is good, and um, and, I'm, and I'm happy they've done it. Good. And I do really like a lot of stuff that came out on Wonders Indian anyway, so. You know, um, it's all good, uh, and um, <clears throat> but you know, a compilation like that is not something that comes out and makes a big splash. It's something that's just around for a really long time, and um, it's like a book rather than a forty-five single that's gone in a week because another load of forty-fives are coming. It's it's there. I still see it in stores, and you know, when we when we play live, we have a few copies in in in, in a wooden shop. You know, and there are yeah. people that didn't know it existed. And, and, and you know they're really pleased to see it. Like my God, everything's on there. You know, um, so we see it sell, and uh, uh, it has to be a bit about things selling, of course. And so you know, it's really good to see that people do. And I know because I quite often get asked to you know sign them or whatever, and it's always a pleasure to do. It's never a pain in the ass. It's always a pleasure because it just feels like I just feel amazed every time someone has bought it and because it's not cheap, you know, and and then. So it's it's great it's it's great to see that it's it's liked and it's out there and I love looking at it and 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 I and I when I'm DJing I quite often will pull a track off it uh, and so I'm quite you know it's in my it's in my record bag uh, so uh, you know um, I, I'm really pleased to have good quality uh, recordings of some of those songs that I can play in you know um, well I like seeing it in shops Rollo because because in, in in the modern industry where where showcasing back catalog is 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 almost a dying a, a dying commodity you've got a, a branding uh, you've got a branding release there that's always going to have you sitting there in the w's you know uh that's right. for people that's right that's right yeah you know i mean yeah, it, 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 well i go into a record stop you know the first thing is i just take all the wonder stuff things out of the thing and then go put them in, <laughs> put them in the zeds <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell Miles next time I talk to him no, <laughs> that you're the one doing that. No, no, I, I actually am kidding. But uh, <laughs> like, I, actually, no, I've done it before. I've done it before. Uh, uh, but, um, yeah, but laughing all the way, knowing that that's a every self-respecting thing to do. Every self-respecting musician has done that at some point within, within a record shop, you know. Yeah, I met Miles for the first time the other day, and you know, he's a sweet chap, and. Uh, uh, he's just done a whole load of remastering yeah. himself, hasn't he? Yeah, I never met him before, but I think probably the main the main reason I really want to say those to him was because we were always in the same section in the record shop. <laughs> yes, um, always either adjacent to each other yeah, or always. Yeah, he'd be in Z, and after I'd been in it, and then uh, you know, uh, it was, it was quite quite yeah. You know, well, it was always it was always wooden tops, wooden tops, wire, wedding present, and wonder stuff in the W's. Oh, well, yeah, but they haven't got an O, you see, so you've got to have that O. You've got to have the O, but I'm just talking, there's not too many in the W's. You've got to be in the secret, the secret W-O. The W-O club. To, to have my pilfering fingers in there, moving you to, to, to F. Well, next time, <laughs> next time I'm, I'm, I'm going through Heathrow Airport, I'll have a look and see if the wooden tops are first. <laughs> I was a Gatwick. I was a Gatwick. <laughs> just, just, a, just a couple more questions, because you. I switched the order a few times, so I was a 
fine. Got to keep keep them guessing, haven't you? Um, I, I do that anyway without even thinking about that. I always just go straight and do that. As soon as I see there's, there's one of W's. You, you just gravitate towards the W's like an iron filing to a magnet. That's what happens. Um, gone, just, the, gone are the days where I put one in my pocket and then <laughs> try to keep the record store. And it's mine. Uh, <laughs> I own this. <laughs> just a couple of quick questions, Roller, because you've been immensely generous with your time. Um, we've talked a lot about you, but just... Special just chatterbox. You know, well, that's, I love it. I've hardly had to do a thing. Um, it's, you've been very forthcoming with a lot of stuff I know a lot of people will be very interested in, but just out of morbid curiosity, what was the last record, digital or otherwise, that you actually purchased? Didn't inherit, wasn't given. What did you actually go and spend money on? Actual record you're talking record you're not talking a digital buy it would be give me one second <clears throat> Rollo's currently trawling his flat I think for for some yeah some no music. it's just that, that kind of information just is never at the forefront of my mind to answer quickly no it's available um, but you've got to research yeah, it no but I do have an answer coming up any second um, it. Uh, okay it wasn't. I got a DVD, but it wasn't that. It was um, I can't think of his name. If you're fumbling, Rollo, what you could include the last digital? Sometimes it's something you bought. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm trying to look for something fairly modern because you know, I mean, I, I bought some Miles Davis the other day, but that was only because I've worn mine into the ground and then used to get them. Uh, I, I'm, I'm just being really stupid here. I can't remember. Not to worry. Not to worry at all. It was just, just one of those trivial no, no, things. No, no. As soon as I find it, uh, just, just don't go away, right? I just I'm going to... nowhere. Um, I mean, you know, I bought a feather cootie box set, but that's not really what you really want to know. But well, still, uh, it's still something to be proud of. No, but wait, 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 wait. I want to get it right. It's okay. a one word name. <laughs> <laughs> For, for those of you um, wondering, I've got uh, Rollo on Skype and uh, he's disappeared out of the picture and he's now in full private investigation mode trying to find uh, some physical copy of, of, of his last record or musical purchase. Um, so I've got to fill in this space, haven't I? So I'm looking at, uh, looks like Rollo's fresh from getting back from his trip because he's got all his guitars wrapped up, he's got his, uh, got his mini amps on his settee and I can hear him in the background as I'm sure you can. Um, while, I'm, while I'm talking over, over Rollo um, mucking about in his flat, um, don't forget that uh, you can always be in touch with myself at nearperfectpitch at gmail.com so if there's someone you think I should be talking to a la Rolo uh, do let me know and I'll do my level best to, to get in touch with the said individual or individuals and, and have a chat with them um, this has been a particularly enlightening uh, interview Rolo has uh, been very forthcoming with a lot of what he's been doing of late and, and uh, the processes involved and uh, it's turned into uh, a very very informative uh, uh, piece of the show, so I'm, I'm really chuffed with it, and as I mentioned earlier, I've not had to do an awful lot of talking, because uh, Rollo's essentially posed his own questions and answered them before I can ask said questions, so in that respect, very, very happy. So uh, he's, he's, he's still not in picture. I hope he's not at the bus stop. Um, he must have a big flat. Um, as, as I'm uh, <laughs> killing time here in a most unprecedented way, uh, I should bring to your attention that 
you can find out uh, all that is Wooden Tops at uh, woodentopsmusic.com. Uh, do have uh, well, do, do spend time on the site and, and go into the uh, into the releases section where you can see all of the releases and all their glory with uh, with all of the uh, the artwork concerned and, and bios by release and you can you can purchase uh, you can purchase uh, wooden tops material from the site directly. You can also join the email list that you never. Uh, you're never at a loss as to when the next remix releases out because uh, Rollo was saying that uh, there's going to be a remix, another one uh, of uh, YYY forthcoming that had a tentative date of June the 10th as a release date, which is now, of course, uh, as he mentioned, uh, changed due to perfection issues, uh, getting, the, getting the product finalised, and that should be what expect. So uh, a couple of weeks a couple of weeks later, I hear, I hear him. I see him. Not like live on the radio or something. Right? No, it's, it's a podcast. It's good. I was just uh, telling people all about the wonderful website that you have. Oh, and... oh I see. Um, oh. <laughs> no, I, I'm finished. It's all over to you again. Uh, um, okay. Well, look, the answer to your question is uh, I, I can't find it, and I've got so much on my brain at the moment. I can't remember the answer. Saying, but it was one of those things where I was in a record shop and it was playing, and I went, "What's that?" And they told me, and I said, oh, I have that. And basically, what's this singer? He's a one-word one name, and he usually plays a piece of guitar and sings, but he did, a, he did a, a live album with a whole orchestra, and it was really, really impressive. He sounds a little bit John Martinish, but funnily enough, the last, the last record I did actually buy uh, was um, a, 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 a box set of Karen, which was, uh, oh. it was a new Tago Mago release. Ah, you, you and Pat uh, Fish have got very similar tastes. Uh, yeah, I bought John Martin live at Leeds because I'm an eternal John Martin fan. Right. Uh, and um, and then uh, I've got Dove Echoes DVD. And then um, <clears throat> well, I've been buying up quite a lot of the big, buying up quite a lot of re-released retro, like uh, uh, a Mars Davis box set and, um, yeah, a Fella Cootie box set and stuff like that. Um, but... Well, you, uh, you, you've, you've articulated I, I quite readily. absolutely beautiful band last night called Big Bad Wolf. Um, yes. And uh, I would say that probably I see or see and witness more more new music than I actually go and buy. I mean, you know, I'm a really big fan of some of the beautiful electronic works that are coming out now with, you know, people like Floating Point. So I really respect all of that. I love it. Uh, um, but, um, you know, I do go and see a lot of live music and I, I really liked this band I saw last night called Big Bad Wolf. They're, they're, they're young, very long in band. You know, music is, is kind of a, you know, people would say it was sort of got a smell of jazz about it. But, but, but I, I, I think, yeah, all right, maybe, because you'd have to be able to play jazz in a way, some of those time time, time, uh, um, th those rhythms and, yes. and have that skill to be able to do what they do. But it's a very, very relaxed, almost quite African, uh, with trombone, it's got like, there's a lot of effects involved and, uh, and it's very, very beautiful. And um, it's really interesting because it's actually quite similar. I don't think they know it, but it's quite similar to the work that a few of other friends of mine who live in this area of Deptford where I live, which is an absolute fountain of creative people. And they have a band called Pest. There's a few of them. There's Pest is one. Uh, and then there's, there's another one called Snorkel. And these are all really good musicians that do quite 
they, they, it's, it's not always vocal led music, but it's uh, it's 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 not jammy in a bad way. It's you know like one man's psychedelia is another man's poison sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, it's um, uh, so yeah. Last night I sat. I mean, I, just being on tour, I just had music pumping in my ear at high voltages. It's almost like what I really need now is silence. And, and yet there I was enjoying a pint of Guinness virtually sat inside the drum kit watching watching this band play and just thinking, oh you know, it's this is actually just just what I needed. It's it's really really great when 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 you see that all the ideas aren't used up. It's still That's you know, right, that's it's right. Fine. You know, it's not over. <laughs> oh, it's fine. far it's far from over, Rollo. I've just got one last question for you with uh, with regards to nothing at all to do with the industry. Um, let's say hypothetically you're playing a festival in Canada and you come around my place for a cup of tea. Um, I, I get the biscuit tin out, I've got digestive, chocolate digestives, I've got the whole gamut of biscuits. What would you plump for? Plump for biscuits? Yeah, what biscuit? What, what, say you, you know, you're terribly homesick, you've been gigging all over the place and you think, oh, a bit of taste at home. What would you, what would you have? Uh, well, I fairly recently discovered those taste the difference, um, Sainsbury's dark chocolate ginger biscuits. My, well, you know, again, for the second week in a row, I'm going to have to add a whole new genre to my biscuit chart. Okay. <laughs> they're pretty sexy. I'm going to plop you into... Really, you know, the, 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 the chocolate's really thick all the way around. You, you've got to, you've got to think for the future. You've got to think, no, no, you can't just, you would be ill if you eat the whole box. You anyway, you need to last. Um... Um, that's a biscuit that I could Well, the cheque is in the post from Sainsbury's. Thank you very, very much. <laughs> and, and it's been an absolute pleasure, Rollo. And, and, and uh, I'm going to continue to follow your career with great interest. Thank I you. Remember the name Fink. 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 Great. Well, I've, got, I've been taking notes. I've got Fink, Snorkel, Pest, Floating Fink. Points, and Big Bad Wolf. You, were, you said what was the last CD? Yeah. I, and I said I was in a record shop when I heard it. And Fink. I, said, well, I want it. Great. It was Fink. It was Fink. Fink's live concert with uh, with uh, with an orchestra. Wonderful. Uh, well, I think it's quite funny a lot of people are doing things. You know, like Jeff Mills are doing stuff with orchestra. Um, Derek May is doing stuff with orchestra. Even Hacienda are doing an orchestra. Yes, version. they are, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it seems, yeah, yeah. It seems to be flavourful. Well, thank you so much. I, I will. Uh, I will be be in touch shortly with uh, with a link so you can uh, listen to yourself and all your glory. Um, thank you for all of your input. Just going to let it run. Uh, well, I'm just going to. Uh, this is going to end Sorry up. To, <laughs> to, 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 to go go get the tin or, or put the kettle on before. You know. Sure, sure. Well, you, you've been you've been a pleasure, and uh, I will be in touch to let you know uh, uh, when the fruits of this this wonderful interview will will see light of day in the next few days. In the meantime, okay. look after yourself, and thank you yeah. so very much for your time. It's been a pleasure. You're more than welcome. Thank you very much. Okay. Yeah. All the best, Rollo. Take care of yourself. Cheers. Bye. So did you learn a thing or two? What a very interesting man Roland McGinty is. Thank you, sir, for your time. And uh, as the last song of instalment seven of Near Perfect Pitch, we're going to hear something from, from the Wooden Top's second album called Wooden Foot Cops on the Highway. And we're going to hear a song called You Make Me Feel. Thanks for listening and uh, see you back here for number eight. When I go downtown I find 
a good band the wooden tops are save me a ginger snap see you next week <laughs>